The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life to build a better you. Stay tuned. I realize why we can't do this show live. Why? Because we sit around for like the first three minutes in complete silence, staring at each other, thinking of what to say. That's kind of like our married life. If I'm not gonna... just staring <laughs> at each other, married life, wondering what it is we're gonna do today. I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Have you ever been a night owl? A night owl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Back in my more youthful days, <laughs> I was a night owl two times in my life. One when I was like in middle school, and what? I had a, I had a TV in my room because mm. we were classy. Yeah. And but it was back in the day when you had like four channels. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I would watch channel thirteen. I think I'd watch maybe The Simpsons or something like that. Uh-huh. But afterwards, MASH would come on at like midnight. And every time the do-do-do-do-do-do-do would come on, yeah. I'd be so mad because I knew it was super late and all my cartoon, late night cartoons were done. So <laughs> so the MASH song has an emotional reaction. For oh, you. yeah. I can't, I can't watch MASH specifically because of that song. Oh, wow. So anyway, what about you? Um, you know... I, I, th- I would think in my 20s, I was kind of a night owl. You say that, but you went to bed last night at 8.15. Yeah. 8.15. The sun was mean... pretty much still up at that point. It wasn't. We're in fall time now. But it's allowed. It's allowed. No, so in my 20s, I, have, I would have night, night owl moments. I would say on the ambulance, maybe a little bit. But even then, I had the choice yeah. shift. I had 7 to 7, 7 a.m. to 7 at night. Yeah. And it was awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty naturally an early, early bird. bird. You're mm-hmm. an early bird. I was not um, an early bird yeah. to start, but I've transitioned into early bird, which transitions oh, into yeah. today's topic, which mm-hmm. is uh, what is it? Early birds early versus bird. night owls. Yeah, yeah we're going to revisit waking up early. Welcome everybody to the Morning Struggle Podcast. I'm Ty. I'm Jesse. We bring you habits of successful people, and today we're going to kind of circle back to our very first episode mm-hmm. to what started this, which was the early morning wake up. But we're going right. to differentiate between waking up early. Or staying up late because yeah, you can't do both no. unless you're a, a crazy person who doesn't need sleep. Well, and the and the argument that we've come across so many different times is, well, do I have to actually wake up early? Is it actually waking up at four or five, or is it just the amount of sleep and schedule that I have? Schedule that I have. If I start work at noon, mm-hmm. do I need to wake up at five a.m. or do I just need to wake up a few hours before work and have some time? to start my day on the right foot. Exactly. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about today because yes. it's not just the specific time you wake up, but how much sleep you get and what you do with your time before you have to start your day. Right. So let's get right into the history of this history I'm finally excited for because it goes way far back, which I love, history. This day in history. Are you going to go over the history of birds? Yes, I am. Are you I really? really am. Yeah. Okay, I'm here we go. I'm just joking, but... How dinosaurs shrank and became birds. And this is from Scientific American, which is a very reputable magazine. I'm hoping I didn't do much research on the actual article, but we're going to say it's true. Do you remember the movie Jurassic Park? Of course I do. Everybody does. Of course. When in the beginning, they have the velociraptor skeleton, 
and he says they evolved from birds. And it was the whole like plot of the movie. Yeah. And everybody's like, Michael Crichton, who wrote the book, he's up in the night, and T Rexes weren't even in the Jurassic period. Well, it turns out Michael Crichton was a genius <laughs> because there's new evidence now that suggests that birds evolved from dinosaurs in a very short evolutionary period of time. Really? And T-Rexes, or a T-Rex-like animal, may have been around during the Jurassic period. Oh, So all you, all you amateur paleontologists out there <laughs> who who hit Michael Crichton up on the blogosphere, being let's, mean, uh, let's see. just know. So, all right, you ready for this? Yes. So this was about 200 million years ago. And to give you some context, okay. the, the Cretaceous period was about 200 million years ago. The, the late Cretaceous period, which is the like T-Rex time, they think, okay. was 85 to 65 million years ago. The asteroid hit 65 million years ago. Whoa. It didn't kill all the dinosaurs. It just changed no. the Earth pretty dynamically. And these large creatures couldn't survive anymore because they were so sensitive to their environment. Right. And then before the Cretaceous was the Jurassic. Right. Okay. So okay. That, that's where we're at. Got right? it. But they think, they think that uh -huh. birds evolved from two-legged dinosaurs, such as the T-Rex and the Velociraptor. So how did these giant, you know, a Velociraptor is 100 to 500 pounds, a T-Rex is thousands of pounds. Yeah. How did they Super become? Super scary. How did they become birds? Chickens. They, did they become chickens? Essentially, they're going to talk about chicken embryos. Oh my, oh my gosh, gosh, you are all I'm over so the place sorry. today. I'm so sorry, I love this. Yeah, anyway. So, um, okay, I got off track a little bit. But um, in the 1990s, okay. China opened up their fossil record. Oh. So we had all these records of dinosaurs and then birds. There was like one, there was one creature in between and it was Archaeoteryx. I probably didn't get that right, but it's Archaeoteryx. And Sounds that was like good. the one bird dinosaur that they had a fossil record of. One little, had weird, some little feathered guy. weird feathered guy. And that's all they had. Well, all these fossils started coming out of China that linked the evolutionary chain. Oh. So they started they started seeing changes in these, you know, bipedal dinosaurs. So they went from they went to two feet, like the T Rex and the Velociraptor, right. instead of instead of four feet, four feet. Then they started having some feather uh, feathers. They started having a wishbone. Oh. And then more complex feathers, like quill like feathers, and then wings. And just like that. And just like that. So over 10 million years, they started having these evolutionary changes okay. into birds. So if I work really hard, I might be able to grow wings is what you're telling me. Absolutely. Okay. And it's just a little small gene expression. We'll get into that. <laughs> so first of all, they started mini miniaturization. So the importance of being small. So right. a lot of dinosaurs were growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, just like things are kind of today. Like people are getting bigger and bigger, right? Sure. But birds went the opposite evolutionary path. They started getting smaller and smaller, 160 times as fast as animals were growing larger during that time. Jeez. So they went from like these velociraptors down to these tiny little birds, which made them very light, mm -hmm. which made flight possible and let them get up into trees where food was more plentiful. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And, and so the next one is the baby face. We say, well, wait a minute. Why like birds have, you know, beaks, which we'll get into and the faces look different. Well, not so fast, because in 2008, there was a biologist at Harvard University. Uh -huh. That's a prestigious college. <laughs> he was doing something with alligator eggs. Okay. And he said, okay, the, these alligators descend from dinosaurs. Yeah. And they actually are more closely genetically to birds than they are like lizards. Mm -hmm. So he was starting to study them. He wanted to know why they had these bird-like shape heads when they're in embryo. So oh. alligator eggs 
look like bird faces. Okay. That makes sense. Like the head looks like a chicken head. In no way, really? When it's a little alligator thing. So they found fossilized skulls of baby dinosaurs and show the same pattern. They resemble adult birds. Oh, no way. So so this is what happens. So a baby, baby dinosaur right. turns off some genetic cursor, okay. you know, some genetic process, and then they don't evolve into a bigger adult form. They right. just stay in a baby form, but then are able to reproduce. I like how you're and saying then, baby form. It's a, well, it's a baby form. They're a little baby Look dinosaur. Guys. Yeah. Um, so they, discover, they discovered that the face collapsed and the eyes and brain and a beak grew. So the face collapsed oh, wow. and the eyes and the brain and the beak grew. And so the brain of a bird is actually a lot bigger than the brain of a velociraptor. A velociraptor has a head, I don't know, shape of a coyote, I think is what they're saying. Okay. But the, the brain of a pigeon. Oh, but then once they're in the pigeon body, we're cool. Baby, well, babies got yeah. Once they're in the pigeon body, they got a pigeon brain, and that's perfect, perfect size, exactly. Perfect. Babies have giant heads, right? They do. Yeah. So they have they're they're a little bit smarter that way. So they started to shrink, and they showed this through the alligator. Now the last one. So they they started to shrink. They have their baby faces. Okay, baby faces. And the last one is they grew a beak. And you say, okay, I've seen Jurassic Park, and I don't see any T Rexes with no beaks. But but there's a few dinosaurs that do have beaks, right? like the pterodactyl, like the or, or the the doesn't the triceratops have kind of a beak like? Oh yeah, it might have like a little horn lip thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's, is that different than a beak? It's a, it's a little bit. Um, so here here's a problem with a theory. We can't go back in time and go pro these dinosaurs and be like, yep, we were right. Yeah, and we also can't recreate it in the lab. So it's a theory and not scientific. Sure. So that being said, this is a pretty good guess from a lot of paleontologists. Yeah. So the problem, um, they never could decipher how birds evolved from dinosaurs with a set of features such as, you know, feathers, wishbone, beak. How did this beak happen? Yeah. And so they reverse engineered this in the lab with chicken embryos. Oh my gosh. So a bird's beak is, is its pre-maximal bones are fused. Okay. It's really complicated, and I didn't take anatomy physiology for chickens. For, for chickens, so <laughs> I don't know how this works. But apparently, they're one big long bone. Okay, okay? and that's why their beak. Snaps. And that's why they would be so strong. That's too. why they're so strong. And that's why they're like little fingers, and they use them to you know prune and make nests and and you know attack each other, attack each other, and nurture their young. Yeah, they use their beaks like it was a hand. Okay, and that's one long bone. Okay. Things like alligators mm-hmm. and dinosaurs have separate bones. And that's where you oh. get the snout from. Oh, right. Well, all they did is they took some chicken embryos. Yep. They essentially turned off the gene that creates that bone fusion. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, they had separate bones and had a snout. No joke. Yep. That so easy. That easy. Like so a single gene. In a single gene, in a single egg, or single eggs, in not over 10 million years, right. but just by saying, okay, we're just going to, we're going to manipulate this gene expression. Right. They were able to create alligators out of chickens. Not what? really alligators out of chickens, but no, a but snout like a, out of a beak. They changed the entire structure of a skull. Yep. So, what? so those are the three things. And that's why they think that birds actually did evolve from dinosaurs. And then when the asteroid hit 65 million years ago, uh-huh. changed the climate of the earth. And lo and behold, these little tiny flying feathered creatures who were able to stay warmer easier who were able to fly into trees to get better food who mm-hmm. were probably able to hide a lot easier they're little because they're little were able to fly to different areas 
if all of a sudden your climate is cold, you can fly south to a warmer climate. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, you survive the apocalypse and your big T-Rex brethren, they don't. What? Okay, so here's, I think this is absolutely amazing. But also, I feel like we should talk to the guy at Harvard and be like, hey, did you see Jurassic Park? It's probably not a good idea for you to be creating all of these. Little baby dinosaurs out yeah, of alligator eggs. Because then they'll eat us. Yeah, well, he's he's dealing with alligators. Alligators are dinosaurs. I know, and they're, they're super scary on their own. Yeah. And did you know that there's somewhere between 200 and 400 billion birds on the planet? What? We think the human population's bad. I think we need to, to enact <laughs> a single single child bird policy. Birds can have oh, one child, and that's uh-huh. it. Yeah, see, that is not even close to okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Too much, too many birds. <laughs> They're all over the place. Stop. That is awful to say, little birdies. So anyway, there you go. There's your history of how birds came from dinosaurs. Wow. And then there's actually only, there's only two type of birds now. Okay. Night owls and early birds. That's right. So we're going to get into the science of what this actually, we're actually tying this together. And whether you wake up early and get your day done or you stay up late and you cram it in at the end. So science. I really thought you were going to drop a bomb on me that there's only two types of birds. So I was like, what? Like actually two types of birds? Yeah, but it's just night owls and early that birds. Was a, that was a joke. That was good. Pretty good at my jokes. <laughs> so tell us about science. I'll tell you about science. Okay. We're cutting that part, we're cutting right. that part out. What? Yeah, we're cutting that part gold. out. That's gold. Wait for a second. Okay, so you and I stand in the early bird camp right now. We decided to move to the early bird camp. Right. Not not super successfully, specifically this morning. Five. Well, I got up at 4.30. You got up at 5.15? 5.15. That's I, pretty successful. But I kept snoozing, and one of the things is to not hit the snooze button. And man, I love that snooze button. All right, we got to stop the snooze button. We okay. really do. I either need to wake up later, or I need to just stop. But we got to the early bird camp. We weren't early bird campers naturally. We weren't no. those kind of people who wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning and like, oh, I love my life, and let's get our day started. Right. It's and, a trudge every well, time. Well, and the majority of the population actually doesn't fall in either of these categories. They just kind of wake up they're supposed late, to they go, go to, to work when late. they're supposed to okay. like it's it's pretty most of us are pretty just even kill but then we have these early birds that we tend to like oh they're so amazing and then we have these night owls that are like oh my gosh so let me tell you what the benefits of both of these are first okay so the early birds tend to be more success- successful through our society so you're talking business owners ceos mm-hmm. high level execs people that need to get stuff done who need to show authority and power Yes. That's where you get the like, wake up at five in the morning because this guy, you know, All Tim Cook CEOs wakes up. At, do it. He wakes up at three thirty. Yep. I was like, what is he going to bed at two in the afternoon? What, what yes. are we doing here? Yes, he is. Well, that, they they have better grades. They tend the corporate structure is made for them. Okay. Right. Waking up early and getting things done is made for them. Right. Okay. They also tend to already have stuff done in the morning, so they are hitting the game way earlier than the rest of us. So there's the middle grounders, and then there's the night owls, and they've already gotten a, a whole slew of stuff done before we're even awake. So they've they've got a head start on their day, right? And so they tend to be persistent, cooperative, agreeable, um, and proactive. All good things. Yep, um, they're very conscientious people. They are polite people. They are the exactly what you think of a CEO would be. 
they they are this person. They are consistent. They also procrastinate less. And the theory is is that it's not necessarily that they have like a heavier willpower and all that. It's that they've already gotten stuff done in the morning, and so they can just kind of cruise through their day, get stuff done. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, how do you get all this stuff done? Well, they're ahead of the game. Because you had two extra hours in the morning to get it done. Yep. Okay. And then also early birds tend to eat healthier, and they tend to exercise more. So these are generalizations, but they there is a correlation with this. But this is this, several studies on this. Okay. Randler uh, from the University of Education in Germ- Germany, he does a lot of studies on these things, but these things have been replicated. And it, it's funny because these tend to be, we think of them as personality traits. Um, and it's what it seems like is once you get that early bird schedule thing going, you tend to pick up on these personality traits. So I don't have to naturally be all those characteristics you listed. Nope. Like I don't have to be tall and I don't have to be outgoing and I don't have to be a non-procrastinator. I start waking up early and start getting stuff done. I naturally evolve into this. Right. Probably through gene expression, but yeah. (laughs) But no, but you eat healthier, you exercise more. And and they think in theory, you're just starting off your day earlier in the corporate world. So in a regular societal piece of that, you're ahead of the game. Okay. Makes sense. So what's interesting though, is that night owls tend to be, and this is not me, uh, smarter, more creative, have a better sense of humor, and are more outgoing. What? Yeah. So they're the ones who should be the CEOs. Be Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And um, But the problem is, is they're out of sync with the corporate structure. Because they're they if they wake up at 10, half the day is already gone right. by these early bird CEOs. That CEO right? has already had a bunch of meetings. He's already acquired two new businesses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's very true. Um, they're better at bursts of energy. So if you need something done immediately, these these folks are your people, right? Okay. Um, they also handle breaks in their sleep better. Oh, like if you wake up in the middle of the night to do something? Yeah, like they're they're better at uh, like raising children, that kind of newborn break of sleep every couple of hours. Sure. Um, they can bounce back into REM quicker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and that trait, that, that seems to be a stagnant trait. Um, where you just have naturally can bounce into your REM sleep, which means that you're probably more of a night owl. And then without question, if you're, if you have a good sense of humor and you're more outgoing, uh, you tend to have better and more connections within a social system. At the bar. Just hanging out. At the bar with your buddies. Yeah. Um, so these are the creative types and they also get a lot of things done, right? So both of them sound pretty good. I mean, I can tell you based on my personality, which one I tend to fall in, right? So if you want to be like the artistic, live in a loft, sell your paintings for a million dollars, be a night night. owl. You got to be a night owl. If you want to own a major corporation or be the CEO of a major company and wear nice fancy suits, be an early bird. Exactly. That's all it takes. And in your movie, (laughs) super easy, right? Uh. So, So the argument that we come across a lot, again, is do we need to wake up early in the morning to be successful? And so I, I, it seems to be more about the amount of sleep that you're getting and then where you tend to lie in this night owl and early bird sequence of events. Okay. So just to give you an idea, three to five-year-olds need to sleep about 10 to 13 hours. Six to 13-year-olds need to sleep nine to 11 hours. 14 to 17-year-olds, eight to 10. And then adults need to sleep about seven to nine, depending on stress level and hydration. Did you know that? So if you're more hydrated, you have to sleep, you can sleep less? You can sleep less. Really? If you're more hydrated, yeah. And they think it's part of that mechanism because you tend to get dehydrated when you're asleep, um, that your cells just don't need you to wake up and go hydrate yourself as often. 
Oh. So therefore you can sleep for less and, and be it's more able, rested. Yeah, it's able to take more water from your body and repair cells instead of get, getting you to that dehydrated state. That was a side note. But so if you are getting enough sleep, if you're getting the adequate amount of sleep, uh, you're better at coping and you tend to be less negative. Yeah, okay? makes I mean, sense. And that makes sense. Um, you're also more attractive. Because you don't have bags under your eyes and you're not mopey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also tend to have better hygiene. So you're more attractive to whatever you're trying to attract. If you so have you better sleep hygiene. More, sleep more, you actually take a shower. You actually take a shower and your posture is better. It okay. takes a lot of work to keep your body up straight. So you're just rested. Yeah. You're, you're rested. Well, I know, but like that yeah. makes you more attractive. I, I believe it. Right? So the 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 kick here, it seems to be that there should be a gap of about one to two hours before you have to start your whatever work is. Okay, so it's not about waking up at 5. It's about waking up at 5 if you have to start getting ready for work at 7. Yes. Okay, or if you, like you said, you work a night shift, just wake up a couple hours early so you can get your day done. Or yeah. you, Or you're an artist and you like to paint by moonlight. Just a little, a little bit, a little, a little early before you have to work. Right, exactly. Okay. Before you actually have to go to work. And, and we've talked about this, the mechanism of not feeling rushed it makes it, it sets up the day where you don't feel rushed the rest of the day and therefore tasks are easier because the anxiety is lower and you just and tend you probably to procrastinate less and yeah, more done. you just kind of get things done. Right. So early birds tend to, during their one to two hours before work, uh, they tend to do self improvement and development. So they might actually be working on work during their one to two hours, like checking their emails or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, but it tends to be at a really mosey pace without any emergent type okay. feel to it um this is this is also when people read we've talked about ceos reading and meditating and working out it's a lot of improvement self-development that kind of thing night owls tend to do creative things during their one to two hours before work and that's like painting it's creating something or even if it's more of like a daydream so like if they have a business or a part of a business of like expanding it you know, across the world or and that kind of thing. That's, that's the night owls that actually wake up before their work. Yes. There's some night owls that party till one or two and then have to wake up at seven to go to work at seven thirty. And that's, and that's, yeah. And that's not productive at all. Okay. That, those are more the middle ground people because they're trying oh. to function in a corporate society. So they're not a true night owl. No. Because they're waking up right before work at a normal time. Right. Just because you stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning doesn't make you a night owl. Oh, so you can't be like, oh, it's okay. I'm at the bar. I'm a night owl. You're not a night owl. No. Unless you start your work at noon. Yeah. Then you're okay. not really a night owl, right? Okay. But but I know people who get really creative at night. Like midnight is their jam. Right. And that's when they get stuff done. Now, that is a miserable time for me. I am very cranky. That is not... So we're talking the night owls in the nighttime, maybe before they go to sleep. They're yeah, really creative. They're okay. really creative. And then, but they still get their seven to nine hours of sleep. Okay. They have their two hours to kick it in the morning and do whatever self-fulfilling creative thing that they have going on. And then they go to work, whatever work that is, because it doesn't really seem to, to matter really. Okay. Right. And so that seems to be actually the better piece of this is that one to two hours um, and kind of knowing which camp you sit in. Okay. So there you go. So if you want to be creative, if you're like a night owl and you want to be in that creative camp. Yep. But you still need that morning buffer. Yeah. You're, you're one to two hours before you, whatever you want to call it, the morning. Right. If you're in, if you're in the corporate world, you might need to go to bed earlier. 
Yeah. You might need to forego going out or watching that late movie or whatever it is because you got to wake up. Right. Okay. So that's that's science. That's where we get. Yep, exactly. We are. All right. Let's go into a quick coffee segment. And then we're going to action plan. We're going to tell people how to either be a night owl or a early bird. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna tell them how to we're gonna give you be steps. where you want to be. We're yeah, gonna give you steps. This is this is this is a, a podcast of action, not of words. That's right. Here we go. I drank pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee, trying to keep my sleepy soul awake. But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes Picture this. Okay. You're an early bird. I am. You went to bed at 7.45 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I did. And everybody's like calling you up, be like, Hey, you want to go out for dinner? You're like, I had dinner five hours ago. <laughs> That's you, true. You get in your snuggie. You, you get into your nights. 500 fill, down comforter. Mm-hmm. You're all cozy. Yep. You wake up, that alarm goes off at 4.45, and you're like, ugh, that's, that can't be right. But you get out of bed because you don't hit the snooze button. No. Nope. So we we're not snoozers here. Absolutely not. We put on our slippies, we head down to the kitchen, and what's the first thing we do? Make coffee. We make coffee, right? <laughs> so much coffee. So much coffee. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with that? I don't have any idea because that's how my morning goes every morning. Yeah. So your favorite hormone that flows through our veins? Cortisol. Cortisol. So we have three peaked. This is coffee segment. We're going to talk about when you should drink your coffee. Wow, <gasps> I just that was like a way too big of a teaser. You don't even know where we're at. We're totally lost. <laughs> I know. All I we're know is I'm in my when, snuggie and I'm in my when slippy. When you should have your coffee? Um, okay, let's go. Now we're going. Now we're back into let's the snuggie time. Here, here we go. Slippy time. So you're in your kitchen. Yeah. You have cortisol spikes pretty much three times a day. Right when you wake up. Right. Uh, about about noon. Okay. And right around dinner time, huh. you have three peak cortisol times. Cortisol is not necessarily a bad hormone. No. Cortisol no, is an alertness hormone. You dump it in your body and your mind opens up and you can, you know, run from the lion mm-hmm. or you can chase down a gazelle, mm-hmm. whether you, whatever you're doing right then. So you like wake up thinking that a lion's chasing you. Well, you wake That's essentially what life is. That's essentially what life <laughs> yeah. is. And that's why you need that two hours to kind of like recoup your thoughts and get ready mm-hmm. so you're not the gazelle. Exactly. That's what life's all about. Okay. But you wake up. And the problem is your cortisol levels are high right then, but then they naturally start to dip off. Right. If you wait an hour before or hour after you wake up to have your cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you don't interrupt that cortisol curve. Oh, you let your body actually go through the sequence of events. You let your body go through the sequence of events. The problem is if you wake up and have coffee or caffeine right away, you interrupt that cortisol. Then your body becomes dependent on the cord- on the caffeine. And you actually need more and more to produce the same effect because your body starts producing less and less cortisol at that time. Is this like a roundabout way to tell me that I'm addicted to coffee? We already know we're addicted to coffee. Is this my meeting that I have to go? This is your intervention right here. (laughs) Um, Because what we want to do is we want to have proper uses of cortisol. We don't want to have prolonged elevated cortisol, which is just, I'm always anxious. I have a ton of cortisol and at least inflammation. It's terrible. We also don't want to have no cortisol where we're just in a doldrum and we are never going to run from the lions. Like, oh, there's a lion again. I guess I'll get eaten today. Eeyore. Eeyore, Eeyore yeah. is a no cortisol kind of guy. Right. So, um, so yeah. So this article, this is from, I don't know. It's a prestigious university study. Is it? Yep. I don't know where it's from. <laughs> some, some, some graduate student did this study. Yeah, they did. But did anyway. You ima- this is actually a great, like graduate student study yeah exactly 
It actually came from the National Institutes of Health. I don't know if you've heard about heard of them, mm. but they're national. <laughs> and they're an institute. They talk about health. Yeah, they, yeah, so that's, they do. That's where the study came from. Gotcha. Okay. So make sure you give yourself one hour gap, which means you probably need a two hour gap before you need to start getting ready for work because you need about an hour to drink your coffee if you're going to do it in a meditative kind of state. That's very, very true. So I'm just saying, and if you don't drink coffee, good on you. Email us and tell us how you get through life without <laughs> doing this. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. So I got, that's all I got for coffee segment. Oh, that's interesting. Nice and quick. Nice and quick and easy. Yeah. But let's take this back around and yeah. let's talk about early birds versus night owls mm-hmm. and how you can be successful whichever camp you fall in. Yes. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. So obviously you need to assess, like I'd say, are you a night owl? Are you an early bird? Are you in the, right in the middle? So determine where you're at right now. Yeah. And the majority of us are going to fall right in the middle. Probably. Um, because it's it just, that's, that's what life. you do. Yep. Yeah. And so decide which side you want to be on, what, what works with your life, because you have a job, you have family members, right? So kind of which one kind of works better for you. And then what you're trying to cultivate, because if you're trying to cultivate Mr. Goodgrades, who becomes CEO, right? That would be an early bird camp to be in. So you need to do that. You need to do that for your kids, whatever yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. Okay. But if if you want to be kind of creative, if you have a job, let's say you're a painter, you're, you, that your job's painting and you want to really cultivate that creativity and connection, that would be a night out camp. Okay. Um, we want to take baby steps into whichever camp we're trying to get into. So like I said, the majority of us are going to fall in the middle. So you have to decide which one you're, you're going to go into. But you also need to make sure that you're getting that seven to nine hours of sleep. And this is where even we've fallen into this, where I go to bed at 10 and I wake up at four. That's not doing my any, me any favors. And that also does not make me an early bird. So you're, you're not an early bird if you're cheating the old sleep. Yeah. You're, you, a mi- you're a middle grounder. Yeah. You have to sleep in order to cultivate these various things or it just doesn't work. Okay. Um, I want you to drink plenty of water like your mom tells you to do. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is you're going to sleep better. So therefore you'll be able to shift your sleep schedule easier. Okay. Okay. Because you're, you're more rested. And it makes you hotter. So. And it makes you hotter. Here's like a favor. Physically hotter. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to hydrate enough. Have a glass of water when you wake up. Make sure you're drinking enough throughout the day. All of that, right? Um, map out your schedule. So you have your, your seven to nine hours. And if depending on your stress level, you might be closer to the nine hours versus the seven. Like I, you need to kind of know yourself on that. And then make sure you gap the, for that one to two hours before you start having to get ready for work. So if let's say you have a job where you get to go in at 10, you don't have to wake up till eight. You can stay up till 11. Yeah. And that's it's nine not. hours or midnight. That's eight hours. So maybe you could be a night owl. It's yeah. just the way your current system is it, set up. Exactly. And that and that's a good example of what a night owl could do and be incredibly successful at it. Right. So, so make sure that you're mapping it out, though, because we don't tend to do the math about how much we're actually sleeping, how much time I actually need in the morning, that kind of thing. Okay. So mapping it all out. And then I want you to get excited about why you're doing this. So why you are a night owl or why you are an early bird. Yeah. And what is your ultimate goal? Yeah. And what you're going to do during those one to two hours. Because you can't just wake up and then walk around aimlessly drinking your coffee and ruining your cortisol. Yeah, exactly. So you got to actually (laughs) know where you want to be eventually in the future. 
and cultivate those things. So is this like meditation and exercise? Is this reading? Is it all the above or what you want to well, do? That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's what you want to do. But it, I mean, again, if you're early birds, you tend to want to do self-development. If you're a night owl, it tends to be creative, creative, whatever that is. So whatever you're doing during that one to two hours needs to be something that you're excited about and that it, it feeds into this schedule, whatever you're doing, because so, this is a feel good time frame. Right. It's usually if you, if you have a, a partner or significant other or kids, <clears throat> it's usually easier to do it with them. I'm guessing, right? Oh yeah. Get a buddy. Get a buddy. Buddies to do are it. always helpful, but you don't need so to have your family be, be on the same I could be a night schedule. owl if my family's just regular sparrow birds. Yes. Yep. Se- we'll call them seagulls. Seagulls. We'll call There's them seagulls. seagulls in the middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you got to think children, I mean, maybe not so much now with the online schooling, but um, your kids have to go to school, right? right? And that is not based on a night owl schedule. That's based on an early bird schedule, right? So, so you they may have are to do that. Forced. You may be forced into the early bird instead of the night owl. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to also follow that. If you have a partner, that partner maybe gets them ready and gets them going in the morning. And then you're up later at night doing night owl things. Okay. And it, it all depends on really your family, your job. There's a lot of elements to this that we can't really pin down in this action plan, but knowing yourself and knowing your family and just how things are and where you want to be is incredibly important. And then you, we just start running towards the thing that we are wanting. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and they're very similar. Now that you look at it, I mean, they, they both manage their time very well. Yes. Even though one is more creative and off the fringe, Yep. And one is very, very proper and in line with society. Right. They're they're both very right, and they're both very, very similar. Right. But but you you uh, nailed it on the head there. They both manage their time very well. So it's a, it's more about time management than it is about what time you actually physically wake up in the morning. Yep. All right. That makes perfect sense. So let's go figure out if you're an early bird or a night owl. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make a plan. And let's you got to map it out. Yes. And then execute it. It's easy as one, two, three. And then you'll be either the CEO of some major corporation or you'll write the next great American novel. Yeah, like Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park 8. Yes. Michael Crichton. There's like a million of them. There's a million of them. But anyway. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We want to to thank everybody for listening. We've really appreciated everything. We're going to keep bringing you these episodes weekly. Um, We have Blue Clover Therapy. We have the books on Amazon. Yeah. We got some, some what do we call them? What Mental Disorder books? Yeah, so like the What Mental Disorder. the Cat has Borderline Personality Disorder. Yeah. So I know I don't like I like, don't like shameless plugs, but we just got a lot of stuff, you know, coming down the pike. Um, hopefully a lot of it comes to you for free because we just like being here with everybody. And we love sharing these mental health things and being successful. It's awesome. Yeah. So thanks again. Go out there and build a better you. Thanks, guys.